Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who played football and baseball at Mobile County Training School in Mobile, Alabama, and Alabama A&M University. With the Bulldogs, he scored 26 touchdowns in nine games. He signed with the New York Mets as an amateur free agent in 1963. After batting over 300 for both the Carolina League Raleigh Mets and New York Penn League Auburn Mets, he received a September call-up to the Major League without having played double or triple-A baseball. He got two hits and 15 at-bats during that first stint with the Mets. He became the Mets' starting center fielder in his rookie year of 1966, batted 275, eight home runs, 57 runs batted in, 16 stolen bases to finish tied for fourth in the National League Rookie of the Year balloting. He will be forever remembered going down to one knee, pulling in Davey Johnson's fly ball to the end of the 1969 World Series, making the Mets champs. It is a pleasure to welcome the man who was one of my first favorite players ever, number 21, Cleon Jones. Welcome, Cleon. Happy New Year to you, too. You know, a, le- a little less than an hour ago, we had Ron Sobota talking about the fact that this upcoming season, the weekend of Friday, June 28th through the, 20, the 30th, the Mets are going to be honoring that 50th anniversary uh, of the 69 World Series win over the Orioles. It, can you believe that it's been 50 years already? Well, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> time flies, but uh, we understand that... Uh, when I think about all the guys that are missing and uh, all the things that has taken place uh, in the last 50 years, uh, it has been 50 years, but it's been a uh, rewarding, uh, as I see it, uh, because uh, I've become 76 years of age, and uh, I never thought I would live to, to be 70, let alone 76, and still in my right mind and and uh, still physically able to do all the things that need to be done for my family. It's unbelievable. We're going to get to some of those things that you're doing now, which is absolutely incredible. We mentioned in the open your success in high school where you teamed with Tommy Agee in both baseball and football. Um, the success there would lead to playing college football for Alabama A&M. After one year there, Clyde Gray, a man from Mobile, tried to get the Kansas City Athletics and the Mets to take a look at you. Tommy had already signed with the Cleveland Indians, and Gray thought that you had a future in baseball as well. How important was Clyde Gray to your career? Well, uh, Clyde... Clyde Gray uh, and his uh, wife, Lily Gray, uh, were both from the community. Uh, uh, Clyde was a, a great ball player in his own right. Uh, he was one of the guys that, uh, that I grew up watching and trying to emulate. Uh, he saw something in myself uh, and, of course, Tommy Agee. There was a lot of good players in the area. Uh, and he just wanted them, wanted us, rather, to have a better opportunity to get to the big leagues because he didn't have that opportunity. Clyde was about uh, 15 years my senior, and uh, as a result, uh, he never had the opportunity to get a chance uh, to play minor league baseball, even though he had the talent, the talent to do that. Uh, he, he decided that, that he would be a bird dog. In other words, uh, he was a scout uh, that had didn't have a formal team. 
he just uh, uh, went around and watched uh, players and uh, assessed their, their talent and, and tried to get uh, scouts to come in and look at us. Much like Ron, much like Ron Soboda, you broke in under Casey Stengel, who was old enough at that point to be a grandfather. Matter of fact, he was seven to six. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Wait, so wait a minute. Right. So wow. So you broke in. Could you imagine now you being a manager and having a, someone your age when you broke into the major league as your manager? So that that's a very interesting correlation there. So what was your relationship with, with Casey like, and what's your favorite Casey story? Well, uh, uh, that, that was that was a, a million of them. Like I said, there was a million stories in the naked city. There was a million Casey Stengel uh, stories. Uh, but what uh, you know, what I loved about Casey and uh, his attitude about the game, uh, aside from Gail Hodges, he was the best manager that I played for. And I say that because he, he was very knowledgeable of the game, and he knew every player uh, that played the game, and he could sit down and talk about it. When we had team meetings and we went over uh, players like Willie McCovey and Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or uh, he talked about Mickey Mantle of those players. Uh, at that time, with the Mets, we didn't have anybody to get those people out. So we, we didn't bother to go over those kind of names. We, we just went over the names, kind of, uh, names that uh, we thought we could get out. And uh, everybody around the clubhouse, you know, we kind of looked at each other and said, why, why are we not talking about Willie McCovey? Uh, because he, he said right off, we can't get that big plumber out, so why – why talk about it? Uh, we just don't have the arms to do so. Uh, but, again, he, if, if you play baseball uh, anywhere in, in, in the States, Casey uh, had a rap sheet on you. He, he could tell you what you were good at. Uh, he could tell anybody what you were good at. And he, and he could uh, expose your, uh, your weakness. So he, he was a very knowledgeable uh, manager. Uh, I, I, I was just sorry that... Uh, he was 70-some years of age when I got a chance to play for him. Interesting. You know, after the 1967 season, a two-week span would have a, a major impact on you as well as the future of the New York Mets. November 27, 1967, Gil Hodges comes to the Mets as a manager. Then uh, two-plus weeks later, December 15th, Tommy Agee, your high school friend and teammate from Mobile, was traded to the Mets by the Chicago White Sox. So first off, what were some of the differences between Wes Westrom, the outgoing manager, and Gil Hodges that helped some of the young players reach their potential? Well, it, it was night and day. Uh, uh, I, I had a lot of respect for, for, for Wes Westrom uh, 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 as a player and a manager and as a human being. Uh, but uh, Gil Hodges was different. Gil Hodges was a Hall of Fame member. He would have been a Hall of Fame manager. Gil Hodges uh, uh, had a way of managing people uh, and getting the best out of, out of uh, the individuals. Uh, you know, uh, most managers try to treat everybody just alike. Uh, Gail Hodges would uh, find out who you were uh, uh, by talking to you and, and having little meetings with you uh, to find out how he could make you a better player and, a, and perhaps a better person. Uh, I know he made me a better player uh, because uh, as a manager, he was in control. Everybody on the team knew that, uh, and what he said, uh, it, it had to take place. Uh, when there was a, 
everybody mentioned the time he walked on the field and uh, got me out in left field. Uh, and they saw that as a, a negative uh, negative thing uh, from Hodges. I, I never looked at it that way because uh, I, I, I was part of the situation. I knew the situation. And when that happened, uh, you know, the writer said, uh, I went into the clubhouse, to up the clubhouse, I was upset, and all those things. That, that never happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, Gil and I had had a conversation uh, in Montreal. Uh, I had a swollen ankle, uh, old football in, uh, injury. Uh, but I, I, I was swinging the best so well, I, I didn't want to come out of the, 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 the lineup. And uh, I told him, as long as I can swing the bat and not hurt the ball club, I wanted to stay in the lineup. But we were playing the Houston Astros, and it had rained and, and the field was wet. And uh, he thought that uh, he should come out. And, and Well, I, I maintain the fact that he was trying to wake the team up. And I, I was hitting 365 or something at that time. And it, uh, if he came out on the field and, and uh, he had a conversation with, with me, nobody knew what that conversation was but Gil Hodges and myself, uh, except my wife, <laughs> I, t- I told her. But uh, Gil Hodges was an honorable person. I-, I respect and admire him. Uh, and if not for Gil Hodges, you wouldn't be talking about the 1969 Mets. You know, Clint, A.J. Carter, we had Ron Svoboda on earlier in the show. There was a story in Newsday today that talked to some of your teammates on that 69 team saying if you look at the total body of his work as, as a player and as a manager, they say, you know, is Gil Hodges a Hall of Famer? And they said yes. So where do you come down on that also? Do you think Gil Hodges belongs in the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I, as I said before, yeah. um, had he lived, uh, there would have been no doubt uh, he would have been a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, uh, so that tells you right there what I think about it. Uh, as a player, he was one of the uh, the all-time uh, best uh, first basemen in baseball. People, uh, when I was a kid, uh, he was a talk of the town about being a great third baseman. Uh, it must have been a pretty good hitter because he hit uh, third or fourth or fifth in the lineup uh, with the Dodgers. So, uh, to me, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, longevity... Uh, means a lot in, in sports. If you're able to put up numbers uh, along with uh, having a long career, then that puts you in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but when you don't put up uh, great numbers and you don't have longevity, then the Hall of Fame uh, is quite uh, an achievement uh, to achieve, actually. So but in my opinion, uh, uh, he, he, he's a Hall of Fame individual, and he, 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 he's a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, we, we've had shows dedicated completely to that. Uh, the other thing that happened in that two-week span was the addition of Tommy Agee. What did having your, your friend, your former teammate, now become a, a teammate with the Mets with you? Well, it, it, meant, it meant everything to me, but what it meant more uh, to the team uh, simply because uh, uh, Tommy made uh, made us a great defensive team. He made us strong up the middle. 
we had uh, Jerry Groder, who, who was the best defense catcher in baseball, in my opinion, uh, at, at that time. Uh, not taking anything away from Johnny Bench, but defensively, I would take Groder over anybody. Uh, Bud Harrison was a great shortstop. And then we had Tommy in center field. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to play uh, left field and let Tommy do all the work. <laughs> and, and, and we had uh, Svoboda and, and, and Shamsky uh, in right field. Uh, so one of Gail Hodges' saying was uh, that uh, if you don't beat yourself, it's hard for the other folks to beat you. And that, that was true with this ball club because we had great pitching. Uh, but we, we didn't know uh, that we had an uh, outstanding pitcher, a uh, uh, great defense uh, in spring training. We were told that by Gail Hodges. So you guys are much better than what you think you are, and we, it'll be proven uh, throughout the year. And we looked around at each other, and we, we kind of chuckled. But uh, when July rolled around and August rolled around, uh, we could see what Gail Hodges saw. Uh, and, and we started to uh, play like a great team uh, in August, and we were able to run down uh, to Chicago Cubs. How, how much were the Cubs the villains in those days? The Kings the Cubs, yeah, they were in first place until like September, and then there's the whole incident with the, the black, black cat. cat. Yeah. So what do you remember about the black cat and about having the villains of the Cubs to play, and Leo DeRocher in particular? Well, well, Leo DeRocher, uh, uh, and, and everybody knows about Leo. Uh, uh, and and it, it, Chicago, and, and everybody thought uh, in 69, they, they were the best club on paper uh, in 69. Uh, but the, the bullpen was, was kind of suspect. Uh, when we were nine games out, uh, we, we, we started to play well and, and started to gain ground. Well, we had so much confidence as, as, a, as a team. Uh, Tommy and myself almost never went to the ballpark early. Uh, but in Chicago, we, we went out because we had a homeboy there. Uh, Billy Williams, and we wanted to uh, get behind the batting cage and and tell him uh, that we're going to catch him and that we, 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 we're going to end up playing in the World Series. And, you know, we all laughed and had fun about it, but we, we were actually serious because we thought at that, at, at that time we began to be the team that Gil Hodges thought that, that, that we were, we were going to be. Because we weren't beating ourselves. We, we were making all the plays. We were making all the right throws. We weren't uh, overthrowing uh, the bases, uh, uh, letting the run, a runner take the extra base by throwing to the wrong base. We were doing all the right things. We were moving the runners. Uh, we were playing small ball. Uh, we were having great pitching, uh, both as starters and out of the bullpen. So we, 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 we in August and September, uh, we began to think that we were the best team uh, in baseball. And we continue to do that, but it was because of Gail Hodges that instilled uh, those kind of uh, values uh, as relate to how to play the game and not make mistakes uh, that would lose a ball game for you. Uh, and when you made a mistake... Uh, he, he, he would uh, 
call you in and, and ask you what happened. He, he wouldn't tell you the mistake. Uh, he wouldn't talk. He'd let you talk about it. And and uh, so you, you never did that again, uh, and, and you became a better player. We're talking with Cleon Jones, and obviously Cleon is one of the biggest reasons the Mets win the championship in 69. Batted 340 on-base percentage of 422, led the team in batting average on-base percentage, slugging, hits, doubles, stolen bases, walks, and even hit by pitches. Uh, just a, a phenomenal, magical season for a, a magical team. But much like Ron Sabota, who had that iconic moment in the World Series with the catch, your iconic World Series moment involves your foot and your knee when you're hit by Dave McNally's, you know, now known as uh, quote-unquote Polish pitch. Um, then score five pitches later on Don Clendenin's home run, which turns a 3-0 Oriole lead into a 3-2 game in which you guys end up winning the game. What do you remember about that and the conversation that Gil had with uh, home plate umpire Lou DeMuro? Do you remember much of that? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Because uh, 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 remember one thing that, that uh, I, I'm to me, I, yeah, I, I'm the best head on the team and I, I knew the ball hit me. But I, I didn't want to walk. No, you you stood at yeah. home plate, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I. I, I uh, but uh, Clendenin kept saying, "The ball hit him. The ball hit him," and uh, that shows you how much confidence Clendenin had in himself. He wanted me to take the walk so he could get to the plate, and <laughs> and look what happens when he gets to the plate. Uh, he put us back in the ball game. But that you know, I tell everybody that that uh, you are who you think you are. And you can do the things that you that you uh, that you set out to do if you have a mindset to do it. And from from that situation to the day, I look back at it and I say, Don uh, wanted a chance at bat to make a difference in the ball game, and he really did that. And just like Swoboda, what uh, made one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in baseball, but. He practiced that catch for for five years <laughs> and never made it. And he, he, <laughs> uh, I, I've seen him dive at a ball like that for five years, and he never came up with it. But he had the biggest audience in baseball watching him, and he made that, that, that play. So uh, I talked to Ronnie uh, quite a bit, and I'm always talking to him about uh, that particular play and how he, he came up uh, and, and made that play. But not only that, he had the presence of mind to roll over, uh, hop to his feet, and throw a strike to home plate. Right. Yep. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, we only right. have, like, we got two minutes here, so I want to get this because I know it's very important. You've kept very busy since the end of your career. It's one of the reasons why it's taken us so long to have you on the, the show because you spend every waking hour of your life giving back, centered on building Mobile back into a place it once was, a community with strong African-American community and history. And for that, it means for you, it means hands-on mission of mowing grass, painting homes, construction work, attending community meetings to try and raise awareness of the work the community is doing to rebuild a place they love, a place called Africantown. So could you tell us a little bit about Africatown, a, a place where five Hall of Famers have come from? Uh, well, uh, uh, Africatown is a black community uh, in suburbs of uh, uh, Mobile. Matter of fact, northern part of uh, Mobile County. And uh, <clears throat> it, it was where uh, A.G. and myself and the uh, rest of us went to high school. And it, it was a close-knit uh, community. Uh, 
Uh, when, when we came up, there was no park and no recreation facilities in the area, so we, we played on, on lots in the school field. Uh, but there was always someone there, and I tell everybody that uh, I didn't own my own glove until uh, I was 13 years old. So which means, uh, and I was a pretty good player by the time I became 13, which means I was using uh, my classmate uh, gloves, uh, my next-door neighbor gloves, the guys down the street, gloves and bat, and, and uh, that's how I became a pretty good athlete. Uh, but again, it was a close-knit uh, area, and uh, uh, area uh, of about 10,000 people, uh, all uh, but 98%, 98% black. And, and <clears throat> as a result, uh, we, we turned out some pretty good athletes, uh, both football, uh, baseball, and uh, one the state in track and things like that. So what I try to do is, is give back, give, give uh, the kids in the area the opportunity that was given to me by uh, the people of the community like Clyde Gray and, and, and James Robertson and, and other folks like that who took the time out to buy baseballs and bats uh, so that we could play and develop. Uh, so I took that from the, from the athletic arena uh, uh, out into the community uh, to try to revitalize uh, homes and, and uh, attack uh, blight uh, areas and have restoration uh, and restore the community. Uh, so that's what I do every day is, is get my crew, who are, they're all volunteers, uh, and, and they're guys my age and, and a little bit younger. Uh, we make sure that the, the elderly uh, gets what they need. Uh, we restored uh, five or six homes uh, that was uh, destroyed by fire, and uh, we, we put people back into their homes. Uh, that uh, had other kind of problems. So it, it, it's a daily thing that we do, and and uh, that's what I do every day. I, I, I make sure that I have my workload all set out for me uh, at night, and I get up in the morning, 6 o'clock, and uh, meet my fellows, and we go to work. Uh, we, we just had a, a paint project where we painted uh, eight homes, for the elderly, wow, uh, and, and restored rotten wood and things of that nature. So that that's what I do, uh, and that, it's my way of giving back because it was so uh, so much given to me as a youngster. Amazing, Cleon. Thank you so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thank you so much for over 1,200 games that you played as a New York Met one of my favorite New York Mets of all time, and thank you for the tremendous work you're doing today. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you. Hopefully you'll, you'll get here at City Field when the Mets honor that 1969 team. Oh, yeah, we'll be there uh, what, June the 27th, 28th, 29th, uh, whenever it is. Uh, awesome. I will see you then, for sure. Okay. All right, Cleon Jones, New York Met, great.